The Big Money Music Hour is presented by Les Bourgeois Vineyards, now offering canned versions of their Captain's Coolers. Featuring Bonfire Berry and Citrus Cruise, canned Captain's Coolers are available in six-packs via curbside pickup or online at MissouriWine.com. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Big Money Music Hour presented by Les Bourgeois Vineyards, playing what's relevant in music from the country of the Midwest and beyond. And this week, our guest is none other than Jack Yu of Dead Bed Bad. And I can hear you. I can hear an, an audible question from across the airwaves. Colin, who is Jack Yu and who is Dead Bed Bad? You know what? That question is tragic in my mind because the fact that... Jack Gu is not a gigantic rock star is one of the main reasons that I feel like the Big Money Music Hour needs to exist. We're going to get into Jack's uh, discography and what what makes him unique later on in the show as we get into uh, his his interview. But just know, dear listener, Jack Gu is one of the most impressive artists, period, I've ever met in my life in Missouri. But this is actually the first podcast version of the Big Money Music Hour in which I can't play any music, period, really, that isn't license-free at this point. And uh, the reason being is, and I've talked about this before, but throughout this process, I've, I've learned a little bit more about issues surrounding licensing for podcasts. <laughs> and what I have learned is essentially that I, we, I, there's a lot that we don't know yet. And even though we've, we've made great efforts, <laughs> the, the team has put a lot of time and effort into obtaining permissions from not only national but local artists as well so we can, we can play the stuff on the podcast version of this. Even with those permissions, we're still a little bit concerned that we might be hit with some automated violation as a result of some algorithm, for instance. Um, We publish this series through KBIA-FM's online platform uh, publishing services for podcasts, and if you get one of these violations in which uh, whoever the governing body of licensing for music on podcasts may be, if you get one of these violations, there is a potential of not only being pulled down from services like Spotify, but also being pulled like having, but also having every show that is published by that entity pulled down. So if, we move forward even with uh, permissions from the artists that we we play on the podcast. Even though we have those permissions, we might still get hit with that. We don't want to endanger the Big Money Music Hour's online presence, but we also definitely don't want to endanger other shows that are being published by KBIA and their online presence. So that's where we're at. It's unfortunate. Hopefully 
you know, as we move forward, there might be a point where we might have a lawyer that's a bit more of an expert in this area to where we can navigate this a little bit more concisely. But podcasts and music, music in particular's relationship as far as licensing is concerned with podcasts is still a very new form. So uh, I can't even play you the music by Dead Bed Bad, our guest tonight, Jack Yu, unfortunately, as a result of this. But that's okay because I had a great talk with Jack. But that doesn't mean that you can't seek Dead Bed Bad out. Pull up Spotify or whatever you use for streaming on your phone. Type in Dead Bed Bad and listen to tunes like Poor Pit Parson, Happy, Long... Oh, wait. He might not have published Long Day. There's a song. See, he he he's bound. He's always bouncing stuff off of me. One, I just and I just realized one of my favorite songs of his is one that he actually. I don't think he ever published. Hmm. Maybe I can play it on the show. Maybe I can sneak it in. Kyle, I'm putting it in. And he hasn't published it yet. It's not public. It's not on Spotify. I'm pretty sure that's the case. So in that case, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I want to play you some original music here on the Big Money Music Hour. This is Long Day, an unreleased track before now by Dead Bed Bad on the Big Money Music Hour. Leaving Missouri, never coming back. Got my life in a backpack. Said goodbye to everyone No one can't So it's time I run
listening to the Big Muddy Music Hour on KBIA-FM, and joining us in the studio today is Jack Gu of Dead Bed Bad. I've known Jack for, geez, I'm guessing like seven years now, and I'm thrilled that he is actually the first in-studio guest for the Big Muddy Music Hour. It's a pretty big deal, Jack. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me here. So while I say I've known you for seven years... And we've worked together on varying projects, aside from being a amazing musician, an amazing songwriter. Jack is also, as I said earlier in the show, a really fantastic recording sound engineer. And Jack has mixed and mastered a good portion of the music that my band, Decadent Nation, has released in recent years. And he's just done a fantastic job with it. Some of my favorite recordings have been done by this guy. So, you know, I've known him through many different capacities and phases throughout both of our lives. But there's also a lot I don't know about you. There's a whole period of your life prior to whenever you return to mid-Missouri that I just don't know about. Uh, and we'll, we'll get to the, the period in which you were, you were in California and, and what happened there, which is an area of, of time that I'm particularly interested in delving into. But let's go back a little bit further. You are very talented, not only as a songwriter, but a multi-instrumentalist. Isn't it true that for a lot of the Dead Bed Bad stuff that you've recorded, you've actually recorded the majority of the instrumentation on it, at least yeah. through certain recordings? Yeah, especially recently. Yeah, I've done everything. So how did how did that start? Where where did when did you start playing music? What what where did that come from? What was your first instrument, and how did you spin off into the other instruments? Um, I was about fifteen, and I started playing guitar, and uh, it really started. I started playing other instruments in high school. I had uh, a good friend of mine who was in band, and he played multiple instruments: played piano, bass, drums. So I kind of wanted to be like him. So I, I was trying to keep up with him, basically. So I would, I would learn bass and drums, you know, as a side thing. And over the years, being uh, w- once I got into recording when I was about 20 years old, um, I had to learn how to play those things better to get better recordings. And it's just continued from there. I'm, I'm still trying to, I still try to practice those things. I'm, I'm spread way thin, though. That's you know that's always the problem. That's the that's the shortcoming when you're trying to do all of it. But and, and you know I think that goes back to kind of a, a theme that uh, I talked about whenever I uh, had Pat K on the show because I definitely think that 
uh, being a born and bred Missourian, there's this sense of the old Missouri trope of uh, being a utilitarian or resourceful with what you have. You have to take what you have available to to you and make something out of it. And so, you know, if you don't have the band available to play the parts how you want to play them, then it's pretty much incumbent upon you at that point to step up and make something. And whenever you make something, it really is incredible. I've, from the beginning, uh, from from your first album, I just just my my jaw's been on the floor, and I, I still listen to to your first two records on the frequent. And I'm so happy that we now have this show where we can start to expose folks to to your music. So you you were playing playing multi, multiple instruments in high school. You, were, were you playing in bands as well at I was that in, time? Yeah, and I was in the jazz band in high school playing guitar. I, you know, I wasn't very good, but yeah, I, uh, the first band I was in was called The Way Outs. And, um, you know, there were a couple other little bands, like little trios. We played Hendrix covers and, you know, uh, Beatles covers and things like that. Is my understanding, uh, you're from Jeff City. You're mm-hmm. born born and raised mm-hmm. like Jeff City area, just outside of Jeff City, right? Russellville. Uh, I went I went to school through fourth grade in Russellville, and then moved to Jefferson City. Yeah. Yeah. So but still have the farm in Russellville. Yeah, and that that's where we actually you actually had the studio there yeah. for a while, uh, um, and we I, I, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the studio on the farm in a bit because that's that's one of my favorite places I've I've ever recorded music. You you turn back up. In around 2012, 2013-ish area in in mid-Missouri. And that's when I first got to know you. And there was a period there where you were on the West Coast, right? In L.A. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that right? And it seems that you have had, you had various adventures during that time. Uh, maybe some experiences that helped lend itself to you becoming who you are as a musician. I'm, I'm curious to learn more about that. When did you head out west and what what was that like at the beginning well i uh i was i wanted to go to music school so i went to warrensburg for one semester but i dropped out before it ended and i hopped in a 1977 impala and i drove to vegas where my sister lived and the car blew up there my intention was to go all the way to los angeles but the car blew up like a blues brothers movie (laughs) so i was stuck there for about a year and i started playing in um in lounge bands in Vegas for a year uh, playing guitar, <laughs> which I think I made more money when I was 19 doing that than I do now as a musician, and then, which is ironic. And then I went to Los Angeles because I have a cousin who's in the music industry, and he basically told me where to go. You know, if you don't know somebody out there, you don't, know, you don't even know where to get started, where to knock on the door, you know. So I got a job at a cartridge company where they they did uh, they did cartridge for uh, studio musicians in Los Angeles, specifically guitar players, m- mainly guitar players. So I was carrying lugging the gear around for studio guitar players in Los Angeles for several years, and uh, from there I just worked in different capacities as either a musician or a tech. Uh, for 10 years, basically. And, you know, I, I seem to remember from past conversations, there were some pretty notable acts that you, you teched for throughout that time. Isn't that right? Yeah, I definitely rubbed shoulders with uh, Marilyn Manson, uh, System of a Down. Um, 
I got to record the system of a down drummer at one point. You know, little random things like that would pop up. But when you're out there and you're kind of immersed in the in the industry, uh, whether you're a tech or you're an actual musician, uh, you're constantly rubbing shoulders with people, and it's just it's like a little community. I mean, and the only reason I bring it up, the fact that throughout that process, you had to have learned so much about yeah. you know the technical aspects of recording and yeah. tracking, and I I really do think that as far as folks that have come from the mid-Missouri scene in particular, Jack, you're one of the most exemplary people that I've ever met when it comes to music. And it's not just, and, and half of that is the music that you create and the lyrics that you write. But the other half of that is the fact that you, you have this full package where you come at it from that technical aspect and you're able to, to, to really uh, understand in a really intrinsic level how to capture music, which is something that to me is is almost like a sixth sense, right? Because I've worked and I've, I've recorded in different studios, I've worked with different sound engineers, and throughout my life so far, there's really only been two sound recording sound engineers that I've worked with that are just on another level and have what I say, that they have the ears for the job. And you have the ears, man. And, you know, I just have, I would have to think that, you know, your experiences and, and what you've you've learned in uh, Los Angeles at that time had to have lent itself to you being where you're at in terms of that technical prowess. Yes, and thank you. I, I, I don't know that I'm, I'm worried, worthy of the accolades, but um, I, I, I didn't always have the ears. I mean, I've just been doing it for so long and learning as I go, and I have learned a lot. It's, I have kind of a unique experience um, and none of it's formal training. I just, most, most of it is just doing. I, I just, I, I, I try to do as much as I can. I've always tried to do the impossible. Um, and like you said before, coming from the Midwest, you know, where, where if you don't have an engine in your car, you pop one in, you know, with your uncle down the road. Um, I, w- I was poor in Los Angeles, so I l- had to learn how to build computers because I couldn't afford the the G5 Mac tower, you know, for a recording setup. So I had to. I was learning how to build PCs, and uh, you know, I was immersed in the guitar world and guitar tones, uh, like the epicenter of of all of that stuff. You know, the Deftones are record are rehearsing across the street from me from where I was working, you know, I was just right in the middle of it. Um, I was, I was nobody, but I, you know, I, I was experiencing it all and, and learning and enjoyed it, I guess. So what brought you back to Missouri? Addiction, uh, alcoholism, addiction, uh, and family. Uh, basically those two things. I, I had to, to clean up my life, and that wasn't the place to do it. And it took me a while after I got back here to do it. But And you've been sober for a while now, right? In a few days, it'll be five years. Five years. Yeah. Man, congratulations. Thank you. Obviously, whenever you came back, that was around the time I met you. And those were some crazy times, I think, for both of us. We were... Uh, in particular, I have some some 
some memories of things that that I'll never forget in terms of uh, some of the adventures that we got ourselves into. And, and you know, they they were fun, but. You know, on the other side of it, the flip side of it was there were definitely periods where I, I could tell where, where you were struggling uh, with with those demons and the fact that you've come out on the other side of that and you have a family now. Mm-hmm. Um, are, you're, are you you married now? Or engaged. Engaged. Yep. Engaged. But you got you have a little one, Doc, mm-hmm. right? How old is he now? Yep. He just turned four. Four years old. So, you know, it, um, I'm so happy for you, you know, just as personally as a friend. I mean, five years. That's just, it seems like just yesterday. But, I, I mean, to, to be able to, to overcome that is, is a big deal. Many don't, unfortunately. I know. Yeah. I mean, I'm very, it's, I'm very lucky. Well, well, you, you came out on the other side, and you're you're still making great music. Now uh, we're we have kind of come full circle. We we, you know, we started off with your early days and becoming a musician in high school, and we followed you out to California, and then back again where you uh, arrived again in uh, back in Mid Missouri uh, and and started releasing music under the moniker Dead Bed Bad. So whenever I first kind of got clued in to you and Dead Bed Bad. Of course, I immediately was drawn to the music itself, but one of the reasons why I think you're pretty exemplary in terms of the music that's come out of this scene is your lyrics. I mean, aside from uh, being really sardonic, they're just terribly clever. You know, we played Poor Pit Parson earlier in the show, and I've always been curious, was Poor Pit Parson based on any particular person or where did where did that song in particular come from no particular person um just the just an idea about hypocritical pastors i mean that's all um and not all of them are but you know i just televangelists have always kind of bothered me a little bit i think they're funny they usually have really dark tans and drive Ferraris, you know? <laughs> um, so I just pictured a guy who didn't have necessarily a dark tan or drove a Ferrari, but, you know, preached the gospel, but um, was a raging alcoholic at the same time. You know, <laughs> you know I think that's, that's kind of why I gravitate towards you because uh, a lot of my favorite music, it does have this kind of sociopolitical bent. And while I wouldn't say what say that the stuff that you come up with is sociopolitical, it's definitely taking a look around and it's looking at the hypocrisy of certain situations and pointing out, you know, <laughs> grievances, let's say. Yeah. I mean, the second album you put out was called A Wasted Life of Dancing Mice and Pretty Lights. And if you actually take a look at the artwork of the album, <laughs> there's uh, Christmas string lights strung across the top uh, that is hanging a caricatured version of maybe it's Mickey Mouse, but it's crossbred with Dead Mouse, essentially the EDM superstar, if you will, of <laughs> of the uh, the early 2010s. I know that you've you've definitely had an axe to grind in in general with a lot of uh, pop music in general, and you know i'm 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 curious to to get get your feedback along those lines cuz i know we've had a lot of discussion about just our philosophy surrounding music and you talk a lot about how kids are are learning instruments less and less over mm-hmm. time 
and it's it's as for someone that has their craft honed in as as much as you do i can i i can understand why why that's frustrating can you tell me a little bit about particularly that album and and where some of those ideas came from well first of all back then i was a lot angrier <laughs> I, was, I was pretty angry back then and uh so much of the the income that that is generated for musicians come from, comes from live performances and i was i discovered that people weren't caring at all about the substance or the musicianship that was happening from the stage they cared only about the gimmicks the bright lights um electronic music is not is not played necessarily i mean occasionally there's something happening but it's pre-recorded stuff and i guess dj's blend some of it together as they go along and there is some degree of impro- improvisation there's there's too much emphasis placed on on those sorts of artists versus say jazz musicians who are amazing like i say an amazing trumpet player jazz trumpeter you know i i just wish people would uh would take note of the music more and the craft of playing an instrument and less about the bright lights is there been any music that's come out recently that's excited you or have you just been continually frustrated with <laughs> with what's been put out there it's it's getting a little worse i think um you know there were some rock acts that were that were interesting. I think Cage the Elephant is fantastic. I think that's the only one that's really holding it together right now. The album they put out last year was pretty impressive. Yeah, um, and honestly, I'm not even in the loop anymore. I don't I don't pay attention anymore because it's just not. There's nothing going on that that catches my attention. So there's a, a long period there where Dead Bed Bad was completely dormant, and then all of a sudden. In the last couple of years, you've been dropping singles, almost like like cookie crumbs, leading to 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 something. And before we started recording today, you told me that you, Dead Bed Bad actually there's an actual lineup again because, mm-hmm. as we mentioned earlier, most of the time you're tracking all of the instruments for all of the Dead Bed Bad tracks. But what's the lineup that you have going right now? And are you guys expecting to play any shows anytime soon? We're working on it. Um, we have. Uh Drummer, bassist, keyboard player, um, Liz Graham keyboards, Dana Johnson bass, Aaron Mankin on drums, and they're all Midwestern uh, musicians, um, pretty well known around here. Yeah, Aaron Mankin uh, is actually a member of a band called Downside Up, mm-hmm. uh, who you've also recorded as well. Yeah, they're doing a new one with me right now. Really? Yep. Oh, okay. Possibly two. We just started it. Sweet. So, you live in Jeff City now, uh-huh. oh, and last year, thereabouts, um, one of those, the biggest tornadoes to hit the Midwest hit Jeff City dead on, and yeah. the tornado was, you, you were right in the path of that, right? Yep. It went right through our backyard. Jeez, that had to be terrifying. It was. I, I don't think I've ever been more scared in my life. We had we had about 40 or 50 mature trees in our backyard. We have quite a large backyard, and they're all gone now, all of them. And was there any damage to the house? There was. We, we had to get all new windows and uh, tore our deck off the back and uh, parts of the roof. Um, but it's all 
we basically have a construction guy living with us, and we have had for months now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So where were you while this was all happening? Uh, this is a wild story. So we woke up, I think it was around 11 p.m., to tornado sirens going off. And so we got Doc, my son, out of bed, and we woke up. We walked downstairs, and the tornado siren went off. So we're like, okay, it's time to go back to bed because those tornado sirens are off. Go back to bed. My dad calls me about 20 minutes later and says, you have five minutes to get to the basement. There's a tornado heading right for you. And I went, what? There are no sirens? Nothing's going on. So we took heed and went downstairs to the basement, but we still weren't serious about it. You know, we were just kind of out of it. And so we were kind of sitting by a window and... As we were sitting by the window, we heard a window break upstairs. And we are like, okay, that was just a lot of wind or something. A branch just went through the window. And then uh, it started to get really creepy and quiet. And uh, we moved to an interior location. And then the window we were sitting by downstairs broke. Oh, my goodness. And then all hell broke loose. And we were in a corner down in the basement, and water was falling on, you know, like a pipe broke because a hose took a faucet out from outside as the fence was flying away, you know. And yeah, it was terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Uh, Expect to see like Bill Paxton and and Helen Hunt falling (laughs) up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Cows flying. I mean, it's it's really nothing to joke about. I mean, even to this day, you can drive around uh, Jeff City in that area of Jeff City, and um, even other places uh, south of Jeff City like uh, Eldon, and it's like a war zone. Uh, I mean, it, it, to this day, it's 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 taking a long time for people to rebuild because, I mean, you're fortunate in that you are able to rebuild so quickly. But there was a lot of communities that weren't so well off that got mm-hmm. hit. And who knows what their home house insurance situation was like, and uh, trying to come back from that is is a is a harrowing venture at the end of the day. And um, man, I'm just happy you guys are okay. <laughs> yeah, we were one of the lucky ones. Our, our insurance has been good to us, and you know, no sweat. Yeah, sad for the trees, basically. I mean, that's the only thing that sucked about it. But and there were leaves like plastered to the walls in the house because the windows broke and you know all the foliage was just flying around the house and it was wet and just getting stuck to the walls it was it was nuts absolutely nuts never experienced anything like that before so are you working on any new music right now do you have any, have any new singles coming out or are you working on an album i've got a hard drive full of ideas and uh is that going to be the name of the album? <laughs> Could be, yeah. Uh, no real albums in the works. I'm still in single mode, um, mainly because it's, I'm just so busy um, trying to make a living. Um, but I think about it from time to time. Another album, would that be cool? Is that what you do these days? I don't I don't know. I'm not sure what to do. Um if it were another album, it would take me a year, you know, it would be a year-long project. Um, so I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Well, I hope that 
eventually comes to fruition. I want to thank you for coming on with Big Money Music Hour, being our first in-studio guest at the KBIA Studios. It's been super awesome to have you on board. And folks, if you haven't listened to Dead Bed Bad, get right with your life, get on Spotify or wherever you stream your music, and check it out. Seriously, it is a crime against humanity that Jack Gu is not a superstar right now. And he is people like him are part of the reason why this show is a thing because we need to shine a big light on folks like Jack and his band Dead Bed Bad. So thanks, Jack. Thanks for coming on board. Thank you, Colin. I appreciate it. All right, that's our show. I want to thank Jack for joining us. I want to thank you for listening. You've been listening to another episode of the Big Money Music Hour presented by Les Bourgeois Vineyards. I'm going to let Dead Bed Bad play the show out tonight. And on behalf of KBIA and LV Creative, this is your host, Colin Laveau, the Shameless Voice, signing off. Money Music Hour, presented by Les Bourgeois Vineyards, is produced by LV Creative and KBIAFM, an NPR station broadcasting from Columbia, Missouri. The show is hosted, written, and edited by Colin Laveau. Theme song written by Pat Kay. Videographer is Matt Matlack of LV Creative. Co-produced by Kyle Felling, Mike Dunn, and Alicia Laveau. For more Big Money Music Hour content, be sure to subscribe to the Big Money Music Hour podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Talking squares, hysteria, lunacy, a madness. Of-